Uh, a few weeks ago, I was here. Uh, I was preaching. I was sitting uh, right over there with my family. And before the gathering, uh, Brant came up to lead us through a quiet moment of uh, reflection and prayer to prepare ourselves for the gathering. And as Jody and I were trying to manage the kids, uh, Hudson, who's my son, uh, he was started yelling out, bum, bum. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why he decided to yell this out. Maybe it's because he saw the drum kit and that's him, him trying to say drum. Or maybe it's because I was trying to say like, sit down. And he knows when he sits down, he has to sit on his bum, but either way, who knows, he just wanted to yell out, bum. Now, my wife and I, we also have a, a newborn daughter. Her name is Zoe, and she's great. She's amazing, just this cutest little thing. Doesn't scream bum during the gathering. She's just awesome, right? And one of the things, one of the things that you quickly remember when you have a newborn is that honestly, and don't take any offense at this, they don't require that much maintenance. Something I've learned as a dad to uh, two young kids is that when they're in that newborn stage, there's really only three things that they need. And it could still be a lot of work, but these three things are sleep, food, or a diaper change. You know, if you want to provide the proper nurture and care to your newborn, the, the main things to focus on are these three things. So when little Zoe cries, right, we being good parents, we check to see what she needs and how we can best care for her. You know, we'll check to see if her eyebrows are red and that tells us if she's tired or not. We'll watch to see if she's chewing on her hands, meaning she might be hungry. If she's squirming around, if she's looking super uncomfortable, maybe she needs a, a change. You know, good fathers and good mothers know how to spot their children's needs and provide for them where needed. They know how to give their children the holistic nourishment that they need. Well, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been in a series here called We Are the Church. And the goal of this sermon series has been to give us almost like a boot camp on what, a, what the church is and why it's important. So Brant, on the, the first week, he helped us ask, answer the question, what is the church? And he reminded us that the church is a community that abides in Jesus Christ. And last week, we looked at the question, what does the church do? And we saw that Jesus actually gives us a mission to accomplish in the world around us. Well, this week, we're looking at the question, how does the church grow? Not grow like number of attendees and stuff like that, but grow like a child grows into a mature adult. You know, what has Jesus given us for our nourishment to grow us in our faith? What does God our Heavenly Father, give us the church for our spiritual nourishment and growth. You know, just like how my newborn daughter has these needs, which Jody and I have to meet in order to properly uh, nurture her and care for her, we as a church have needs too. And the question that we need to ask this morning is, what has God given us that properly nurtures those needs? And I want to argue today that he's primarily given us three different things. The Word, Baptism, and the Lord's Supper. The Word, Baptism, and the Lord's Supper. These are the three things that God has given us as a church to encourage us, to sanctify us, to grow us, and to unite us to his son, Jesus Christ. So today we're gonna look at each of these uh, three different sort of forms of nourishment and examine how in each one we grow in our relationship with the Lord. So first, the word. 
Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I would just encourage you to open them up to 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 through 17. But if you don't have a Bible, that's totally fine. The text will also be on the screen behind me. Here's what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the first way we are nourished in our faith is by the word of God. Now, when I say that, the first place your mind probably goes is to your Bibles, right? And if so, that's true. Scripture is God's word to us, and our study of it, it is this sort of daily bread that will grow us in our faith and equip us and, and teach us what it means to follow Jesus. But that's not all that I mean by God's word here. And I want to be clear on this because so often in our individualistic culture, we treat our spiritual nourishment as something that's just between sort of me and God, right? When we're struggling in our faith, we think that we just need to kind of read our Bibles more or spend more time in, in our quiet times, right? Fast more, whatever those, whatever it is we choose to do. And all those are, are great things. They are like really good things, but I don't want us to miss the role of the church in our spiritual growth. Yes, the Bible is a means of grace to us that grows us in our faith, but God's word is not just a book that we read. It's living and it's active, meaning that the faithful exposition of God's word is just as important for our spiritual nourishment. And the faithful exposition, you know, the faithful proclamation of God's word to us is something that takes place here in the church. When we hear the scripture read every week, we're being nourished by God's word. When we sing together and the songs, they're full of the truths that we learn from scripture about God and what he's done, we are being nourished, strengthened by God's word. You know, what I'm doing right now, preaching, proclaiming God's word to you, is a way that God has ordained for us to grow in our faith as a church. It's a way that God communicates his grace to us and bestows that grace upon us. In other words, what we do here at church is a way that God grows us in our faith. It's a way that we're nourished in our walk with Jesus. And this, this should change the way that we view church. You know, in our world, something that has always been highly valued is great public speaking. Uh, for some reason, we love good public speakers. And now with kind of this unlimited access to these public speakers with YouTube or with podcasts, we have the ability to select our favorites and then kind of just stick to those. So when we come to church, since we're so influenced by this trend in our culture, we can accidentally do the same thing. We start to evaluate preachers based on their public speaking abilities and not on their content. We want our church to have the best public speaker. Or maybe it's not about the best speaker, but instead we look for a church where the sermon kind of confirms what you already believe or already think about scripture. You want a church that will confirm you in your confirmation bias. And it's not just preaching where this happens. It happens with our, our worship too. 
Um, I once had a conversation with a, a young couple who'd recently moved out of Vancouver. Uh, they were a lovely couple, uh, but for various reasons, they had to leave the city and move out of the city. And once they got settled into their new, new home, I, I asked them if they'd found a new church yet. And their response uh, was no. So, you know, I followed up. I said, well, why not? And the response that they gave to that I, really surprised me. You know, it wasn't that they couldn't find a church. There were tons of churches where they, they were. It, it, was the it was that they only wanted a church. They only wanted a church with a worship band that played in the exact same style as the church that they were attending before. So what they did was they just stopped attending church. Do you see the problem with this? When we make church about good speeches or about great worship bands, we fail to see it for what it really is. A community of believers who abide in Jesus Christ seeking to love God and their neighbor, to grow in faith through the nourishment that God provides for us. Worship is not just about what sounds good or even what makes us feel good, but it's about singing biblical truths together and then having those biblical truths sink into our hearts, having them applied to us through the Holy Spirit as he's working in us and as you sing them together. Preaching is not just a good speech, but it is God's word applied to us. Look at our text from uh, 2 Timothy again. What does it say God's word should do for us there? It says it should teach us, that it should correct us where we've gotten things wrong, you know, that it should reprove us and rebuke us in our sin and call us to live a new life in Christ that it should train us and, and equip us for every good work. It doesn't say that it should tickle our ears with great oratory. You know, it doesn't say that it should kind of whet our appetites for, for sophistry. No, it should challenge us. It should be uncomfortable at times. Sometimes it should make us squirm a little bit as we are convicted of our sins, our own failings, but that is a good thing. Those are called Growing pains. Look, let me just put it this way. If you never ever feel uncomfortable in a sermon, then you should probably find a new church. You know, in a broken world where we all live with the reality of sin in our lives, when we hear the perfect word of God spoken over us, it should feel uncomfortable sometimes because that means it's working. It's a good thing when you feel this way because God's word is growing you. And I know that you get this because Brant and Alvin and Doug are constantly sharing stories of how you as a church are allowing God's word to sink into your hearts and transform your lives. You know, I know you get this because I hear the stories of grace at our staff meetings. I hear about the Saturday morning men's Bible study and I see it in you when I come here. So you should be encouraged this morning. You should be encouraged and you should continue to allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. Okay, the first thing God has given to nurture and grow us is his word, both his written word and his spoken word in the church. It's the word we hear explained in the songs that we sing, the word uh, preached as it seeks to explain God's written word. But this isn't all that God has given us for our nourishment in the faith. And that actually brings us to our second point, which is baptism. Baptism. Look with me at Romans 6, uh, 1 through 4 again. What shall we say then? 
Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So the second way we're spiritually nourished is through baptism. And baptism is something that we do as a church where someone uh, goes into a, a body of water, uh, they publicly profess their belief in Jesus, they're dunked under the water by someone standing next to them, and then they're pulled up out from under that water. And this acts as sort of this initiation into the community of faith. You know, it's a way that the church acknowledges that this person is someone who professes belief in Jesus, and it's a way that the individual acknowledges that they're a part of the church community through their belief in Jesus. And this is why we tend to do baptisms in public here at Christ City. You know, if, been, if you've been here uh, long, you'll know that we do baptisms down at Kitts Beach because this is a public profession. You know, baptism is a way of saying to the whole watching world that you believe in Jesus. And it's a way that the church says to the whole world that they recognize you as believing in Jesus. And this really is a public event. You know, every time we go down to the beach and we do baptisms, somebody will come up to us and they'll say, what's going on here? And every time, you know, every time we do this, we have the opportunity as a church to share the gospel with strangers by explaining to them what we're doing through this event of baptism. But why should we baptize? You know, what is it that baptism represents? Well, if you look at our scripture passage, uh, you'll notice some phrases in there that will give us some hints. Uh, in Romans 6, it says that we've died to sin, that we were baptized into Jesus and baptized into his death. It says that we were buried with him by baptism, that just as Jesus was raised from the, the dead, we too can walk in newness of life. You see, baptism represents the Christians dying to sin. As they're plunged beneath the water, it represents their death to sin. It represents the cleansing of their sin, the forgiveness of their sin. And as they're brought back up out of the water, it represents their being raised into new life. You know, a new life that's marked by actually a walking away from sin. A new life marked by being cleansed from sin through belief in Jesus. And this is why baptism spiritually nourishes us. You know, this one-time sort of event in the life of a Christian nourishes us by pointing us to our freedom from sin by dying to it, by reminding us of the new life that we have in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it actually nourishes us as a community because as we watch others get baptized, we recall our own baptism. And we recall our own death to sin and our own resurrection to new life. So if you are here today and you haven't yet gotten baptized, but you really truly do believe in Jesus and that he's the Lord of your life, if you believe that today, you believe that he's saved you from your sins, you believe that he gives you new life through the power of the Spirit, then let me just ask you, why are you holding out on us? You know, the water being too cold at Kitts Beach is not a good enough reason to hold out on us. Look at the people around you. 
You know, look around this room for a, minute, for a moment. You are withholding from these people the opportunity to be spiritually encouraged and nourished through your baptism. You are withholding the opportunity for, for, for them to hear how God has worked in your life to save you. You're withholding from them the opportunity to see you plunged beneath that water and recall from that their own death to sin. You're withholding from the church the opportunity to evangelize to this city by going to the beach and baptizing. Because if no one gets baptized, we don't go to the beach. Why are you holding out? Why are you keeping back something that could nourish this whole community? You know, think about it like this. Uh, when a family decides to adopt a child, it's not just something that's good for that child. You know, the joy of that event, it's not just limited to the kid. The whole family, they experience the joy of welcoming, welcoming in a, a new member to their family, to their home. You know, baptism isn't just something that is nourishing and good for you, but your baptism is something that's good for all of us here. So if you're here and you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, but you haven't been baptized yet, then you need to start talking to somebody about getting baptized. You know, the next time we hold baptisms is going to be in September. And you know what? Summer is actually a great time to start talking with Brant about what it would look like for you to get baptized. You know, start that conversation with him. Brant's not that busy over summer. Start that conversation with him. <laughs> Talk to Brant. You know, I know for a fact that Brant would love to baptize you this coming fall. So talk to him. So we've seen how we've been nourished by God's word. We've seen how we are nourished as a church through baptism. And now we turn to the third way we're nourished, which is the Lord's Supper. Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I find it kind of funny uh, that just a few weeks ago, I was here preaching on this exact text in our 1 Corinthians series. Uh, so I guess the sermon must have been really good, you know, if they invited me back to talk about it again. Or it could have been so bad that Brant wanted me to take another stab at it. But let's just assume the first for argument's sake. And for those of you who weren't around when we talked about the Lord's Supper, uh, all it is is the part of our gathering where we take a piece of bread and the cup of juice and we participate in eating it together as a church. And as we see from the text that I just read, when we take these elements, we're actually remembering the work Jesus did for us by giving up his life. And when we take the bread, we remember Christ's body, which was broken on the cross for our salvation. And when we take the juice, we remember Christ's blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And this too is a way that we're spiritually nourished in our walk with the Lord. You know, each week as we partake of these elements, we're being fed and nourished with a visual representation of our Lord's death, which is the event that accomplished our salvation. You know, the event where God's atoning work for our sin actually took place. 
Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail on the Lord's Supper because, like I already said a few weeks ago, uh, we had two full sermons on this topic. So if you haven't heard those sermons, I would just encourage you, uh, go to our website, click on the Media tab, and you can find those sermons out of 1 Corinthians there and and listen to them if you want a really sort of full picture of what the Lord's Supper is. But for our present purposes, all that we need to know is that the Lord's Supper is one of the means God has provided for us to grow in our faith and actually be further united to Jesus Christ. It spiritually nourishes us as we participate in the meal together, just like how baptism nourishes us and just like how God's word nourishes us. So all these things, right? All these things are ways that God nurtures us. They're means of grace to us, ways that God bestows his grace upon us. And God, he actually uses all of these different means that we've been talking about together to nurture us. They work together for our nourishment at the different moments in our lives. And to show how these things uh, nourish us, I thought it might be helpful uh, to just tell sort of my own story about how the Lord has worked in my life uh, to grow me in my faith through these different means of grace and these different nourishments, uh, means of nourishment. Um, I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, my parents, they weren't always Christian, but they, uh, my dad, he converted uh, after he heard a preacher uh, speak at an Amway conference. And uh, <laughs> when he went home to talk to my mom about it, uh, she came to belief as, as well. Uh, so as kids, we went to church regularly, right? We participated in the Sunday school programs. Uh, we went to the youth groups, all that good stuff. And, and all that time, I was hearing God's word preached. You know, I was seeing my parents participate in the Lord's Supper. I saw other people get baptized in our church community. And all this, it, it eventually led me to want to take the step of faith to get baptized myself, so my, my youth group uh, at the time was hosting baptisms at Cultus Lake, which is in Chilliwack. And when I was around 13 or so, uh, I went through the baptism process at my church, uh, the classes and all that stuff, and I got baptized. And I publicly professed my faith in Jesus Christ to the watching world around me, and I was initiated into this community of believers. But as much as I would love, you know, for the story to kind of just end there and be this sort of happy trajectory upwards since that point, it wasn't. You know, when I got in high school, I, I went through a, a phase of rebellion, uh, some backsliding into sin, and, and I hurt a lot of people. You know, I did a lot of things in my life that, that I'm ashamed of, things I'm deeply sorry for. And yet the Lord, through all that, he, he wasn't done with me. You know, I was still going to church regularly. I was still hearing God's word each week. I had this really, really amazing pastor at the time, and he cared deeply like really deeply for biblical preaching. And he would every week just open up God's word and faithfully preach the text to us. And even though in those moments, I, I didn't really notice it, this preaching, it was convicting me. It was challenging me to give up the sin that I was holding on to in my life. And it was nourishing me by slowly chipping away at the hardness in my heart. Yeah, I remember getting to a place uh, where my sin, it had sort of caught up to me and I was angry. I was, I was depressed and I was just completely broken over what my life ha had become. I, and I knew that I couldn't continue on like this. I knew. And I knew from all the faithful Bible teaching that I'd been hearing, from all the testimonies that I'd seen in my life, from every time we celebrated the Lord's Supper and had Christ's forgiveness explained to us, was that what I needed was to repent and trust in Jesus Christ in a deeper way. 
Uh, I was in my car one day, I was driving, just a normal day, I thought it was a normal day at least, uh, maybe like 17 or 18 years old, and I just broke into tears suddenly. And I cried out to God for forgiveness. And I repented of my, my stubbornness and my sinfulness. And I trusted in Jesus Christ's saving work once again. And that moment was like this moment where all these amazing gospel truths that I'd been hearing for so long, they just sunk into my heart in a, in a new way. You know, I have no doubt that before that moment, I was a Christian. I confessed belief in Jesus. I knew him. I loved him. But for a period there, I was not acting like it. I started to walk away from him and how I was living my life. And this moment, it was this watershed moment for me where my faith became more sure and more secure than it was before. And I fully believe, you know, fully believe that throughout that whole time, God was using these regular means of grace, you know, his regular means of nourishment to grow me in faith and to bring me to that place of renewal in my life. You know, the story's not perfect. I wasn't saved and then baptized and then this wonderful, perfect follower of Jesus the rest of my days. You know, I stumbled. I fell. But throughout my life, God used his word. He used baptism. He used the Lord's Supper to continue working in my life, drawing me to him. And he's still doing that work today. You know, I'm so thankful that the church that I was a part of focused on these things. I'm so thankful that the, the regular preaching of the word, baptism and the Lord's Supper were constantly on display to show me the good news of the gospel and continually grow me in my faith. I'm so thankful for these regular means of grace that sustained me and nourished me even in those dark times. And the amazing thing about the church, the amazing thing is that all of us here have a story about how God has used these things in our lives. All of us have a unique story about how God has used his word to draw us to himself and his son, Jesus Christ. All of us have a story of how we experience baptism or even how we've seen people get baptized and grown through that. Maybe, you know, seeing it and then saying, I want to get baptized too. All of us have been participants together in the Lord's Supper, eating the bread and the wine together and being united to Christ and one another through that. You know, all of us here in some way have grown in our faith as we've participated in these things that God uses to mature his church. And the common link, the common link in all of these different things is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the incarnate word of God. He is the living word by whom all things were, are created. When we're baptized, we're baptized into the death of Jesus and we're given new life in the resurrection of Jesus. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, we take Jesus's body and Jesus's blood these three things, word, baptism, Lord's Supper, they can feel disjointed. You know, they can feel like there's these three completely different things, but the thing that holds them all together is that in each one, it is Jesus giving himself to us. 
Jesus is the thing that ultimately nourishes us. And these things are just the way that he does it. Christ City, hear me on this. When we gather together here, when we hear the word of God, when we see people get baptized, when we take the Lord's Supper together, Jesus is nourishing us by giving us himself. We are being nourished by Jesus and with Jesus every week. And this is really good news because Jesus is what we really need in the first place. Jesus is the answer to our biggest problem in life, alienation from God. Jesus is the one who has reconciled us to God. Jesus is the one that we are united to and can enter into a relationship with God through. Jesus is what we need. And Jesus, in his love for us, has given himself to us through the word, through baptism, and the Lord's Supper. Because he knows our need is for him. If you're here today and you're wondering what you really need in life, you maybe feel like something's missing and you're wondering what it is you need. You need Jesus. Hear his word. Believe in him. Get baptized. And then participate in the Lord's Supper. Enjoy the nourishment that comes from Jesus Christ. You know, enjoy the newfound relationship that Jesus gives you with the Father. And enjoy Jesus as he gives you himself.